This morning, as you saw by the PowerPoint up on the screen, my topic is the sacred. I want to tell a little story on myself about how I come to be speaking this morning. Reverend Russ occasionally sends out lists of available dates to the cluster of our in-house ministers who are available to speak. And so some months ago, he sent out a list with, I think it was three dates um, this summer sometime. And he kind of parenthetically said, and by the way, once we sort out those dates, there's a date in November where the topic is the sacred. And the instruction was to pick one of the cluster of three dates. I went, nah, uh-uh, I want to speak about the sacred. And so with some pushback from one of the ministers, who is also a guest speaker, I claimed what I wanted, and here I am. <laughs> so um, even before I begin really getting into the sacred, I want to remind you there are times when what calls to you doesn't exactly fit with the instructions you're given. Do it anyway. Because when there's that kind of resonance, that's pointing to something that matters for you. So that's lesson number one, kind of relevant and kind of off topic. I began working on this talk a week ago because I wanted to start by hearing what Edward had to say this past Sunday when the outline for his talk was remarkably similar on the Home Office website to what was my talk. He did a lovely job of presenting different elements of considering the sacred, how you look at things, what you know about things, and being present as ways to connect with that which is sacred. If you didn't have a chance to get to hear it, I encourage you to go to our website and look at the recording. It's well worth your time. Today, I'm going to dive more deeply into what I think of as our relationship with the sacred. And an element of that is what Christopher and his band just sang. It is who we are, what is always here. It's not something that we have to... Um, it, it is something we have to pay attention to, but it's always available. It's not just available on Sunday mornings or after we've sat in meditation for 20 minutes or when we're out in nature in some beautiful landscape. It's always available when we choose to be in relationship with us. And that's actually the bottom line of my talk. Sacred is our way of being in the world when we're aware of it. So let's get down to some hows about that and some things to think about. I'll begin with three examples of how I've experienced the sacred in my life, and they have some differences to them. The first was some years ago, a friend and I traveled to Ireland. When we were there, we visited a prehistoric monument, Newgrange. I don't know if any of you um, have had the opportunity to go there. At that time, archaeologists and historians weren't really clear what the purpose 
of this mounded entry into an underground chamber was. What, why did they build this? So the guide basically said it was built about such and so years BC, and it has this and this, and it's oriented toward the winter solstice. Despite the fact that she didn't say anything about it being a religious or sacred monument, there was a feel to it as I walked through the tunnel into that inner chamber. I knew that was sacred because it felt sacred to me. So that's my first example. The second one comes initially from my travels in Mexico, again, years ago. While I was there, I became attracted to the icons of the Virgen de Guadalupe, um, the beautiful Mary of Guadalupe. And when I returned to the States, I heard that there was a magnificent painting of her in the San Francisco Cathedral. So I went there at the time, I think I was living in the East Bay, and the moment I walked into that sanctuary, before I had any idea of where Guadalupe was, I was caught by this amazing creation representing the descent of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost. It was a, a filtering bit of crystals over the altar. It was stunning, so much so that I had to stop and sit in wonder and awe totally out of my mind was Guadalupe. Eventually I got to her and it was a beautiful painting. That's an example of the sacred showing up in another way, where someone has intentionally created a representation, a symbol of something divine and sacred. And that's another portal into being in the sacred. So those are two fairly intentional things that happen. One is there was something in that building in Ireland. And two, there was clearly a sacred representation, a symbol in the cathedral in San Francisco. I have another something that's sacred in my life. And no religious official or any other official has ever labeled it sacred, but I know it to be sacred for me. When my granddaughter and I have been apart for a few days and we see each other, she comes running to me and hugs me and says, I love you, Oma. That fills my heart with such joy and such wonder that I know it's a piece of my sacred, even though it may not be for anyone else. And there's something else to notice about that. When she gives me that hug and says she loves me, I exuberantly say, I love you too, Taylor. It's not a quiet, whispered, awe-filled, shh, it's sacred here. It's an exuberant, buoyant, heartwarming sacred. And that's also sacred. That's also what we're talking about today. I expect that every one of you can list 
experiences of the sacred, be they glimpses, longer experiences, or just something that happens, that you can share a variety of them, similar and different from what I just shared. I invite you, during the coming week, to be even a little more attentive. Where is the sacred showing up in your day-to-day? What do you notice? Because a part of the sacred, besides it's always here, is the more we notice, the more we see. So that's a bit of your home study for next week. Now I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty part. Um, For those of us who have studied the teachings of religious science for a while, science of mind, When we hear someone say, everything is sacred, we say, well, of course, God is everything, so therefore, everything is sacred. What's the big deal about that? That what's the big deal about that indicates it's something we know up here, but maybe it's not something we embody as a knowing. And it's when we embody something and don't just think it, that it really shows up and comes alive in our life. The next thing I did, besides our, you know, of course we know that, we're religious scientists, was I went to a dictionary, that's almost a mandatory part of developing a talk. And in that dictionary, they had the following to say about what sacred is. Hallowed, consecrated, or made holy by an association with divinity, or divine things, or by religious ceremony or sanction. That feels a bit cut and dried to me, as if it's something I observe, not something I'm in relationship with. Experiencing the sacred is at once more alive and complicated than that, and it's something that's just there, that occurs just by your being present. Sacred is the relationship we have with creation. Years ago in Esalen, I had the gift of participating in a workshop with Charlotte Selver. At the time, she was in her 80s, which I didn't realize then. She led sensory awareness workshops where she invited people to become aware of what was happening through, around them through their senses and their bodily awareness, not through their brain. Here's a question and an invitation from Charlotte. So the question would be, Is there a state possible in which we can be without watching or judging, simply awake? Is there a state possible in which we can be without watching or and without judging, simply awake? How do we awaken to the sacred? 
to that transcendent something that resonates, inspires, brings joy. I don't know if you noticed on the affirmation down in one corner was an older fellow joyously playing a guitar as one of the images on that affirmation slide. That's also a part of the sacred being in that joy and that presence without observing, without setting us separate from the sacred, judging it, just being with it. We seal it, we feel it, we have a sense of it. It's, it's beyond words. We can't always explain it, and yet there's a way in which we know it when we are in the midst of it. So I'm going to offer some guidance from a woman who talks about listening to others in a sacred way. Kay Lindell wrote a book she called The Sacred Art of Listening, and she identified three steps in the process of becoming available to deeply listen to another person. What she identified as a listening path is clearly a way to be with the sacred as well. The first step is silence. This can take the form of meditation, stillness, listening, and attending to spirit. Silence is also a metaphor for being present without all of the noise of your mind, releasing expectations, past experience, judgment, so that you are open to what is. How do we know the sacred? We are present. It's always there. As Charlotte Silver, obviously she's a key inspiration for me to this, in this talk, as she describes it, it's not what you think should be, but what is. What is that is interesting? When you have the expectation that something should be such and such a way, you will never learn what your nature wants. So be still. Release the expectations, the judgments. Be still. Or sound out a little bit. We're going to talk about babies just a little bit later in my talk. Next step after silence, reflection. This is a deeper listening to our own inner voice, pausing to breathe before speaking or acting. In relationship to the sacred, it is a pause to breathe into what we know about ourselves and how we relate to the sacred. It's not an intellectual labeling. Aha, that's sacred. It's an awareness, an alignment of our inwardness with what we are experiencing. I want to bring back a story that Dr. Edward shared last Sunday, the one about photographers. He described the experience of a photographer's club that went to a scenic site to take pictures. Most of the group 
were taking pictures of all of the things to see, the labeled places in this scenic area. One of them was a Buddhist, and she watched the rest of the club members and proceeded to turn her back and look at the ordinary in the landscape. Later on, the photographers chose a few photos and submitted them for an art show. And it was the Buddhists' photographs, the ones of the regular stuff, that won the awards. What was there about her photos? In order to capture those images, she needed to know what was beautiful for her. If she hadn't had that awareness, her photos would have been kind of random, some eye-catching, some ho-hum. But she knew how to see beauty from her own values and sense of herself. In the same way as that photographer paid attention within and then without, for us to experience our relationship with the sacred, we need to know what matters to us. Not as an expectation or a judgment, but what brings us alive? What reminds us of the allness of life? And in that awareness, be present. That awareness brings us to the final and very important element of this talk this morning. Presence. Silence, reflection, and then presence. I have to take a little wander off into the weeds for a moment. When I'm teaching, I love teaching, and I love what I learn with the participants in the classes because we become a learning community. One of the things that I sometimes see is that people are working so hard to become enlightened, to understand, to get our teaching, that they're so caught up up here that they forget the rest of who they are. And in fact, being present to all of who we are, not just head, not just heart, not just body, but our allness as expressions of life, that's the presence that the sacred invites. That's the presence. And on some level, it's no work at all. It's simply being. Just being. Nowhere to go, nothing to do. Just being here and now. Silence, reflection, presence. I'm going to say those again. I invite you to breathe into them as I say them. Silence. Reflection. Presence. Notice the feeling of expansion, of stillness, of letting go. 
That's the mystery of the sacred. It's not something to be figured out or tracked down. It's not something that has to be grasped and held onto. It simply is. It's grace. It's a gift when you are present and open to it. And it comes in all sorts of varieties. Whatever else you do or don't do, please don't judge your experiences of sacred and say, oh, well, that was really special. Or in contrast, gee whiz, I wish I could have experiences like he does. Mine don't count. (laughs) Each experience is uniquely your gift and your treasure. As that baby reminded me, I have something I want to read to you about how a child sees. Again, from my heroine, Charlotte Salver. Actually, no, I'm not going to do that first. I'm first going to talk to you about one of our own heroes, Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind. He has something to say about how he invoked the sacred. It comes from his book, Love and Law. There's not a day in my life that goes by that I do not take time to unify myself in my consciousness with big things, to think I am one with all activities, all industries, all commerce, etc., etc., And just feel that through reaching out and encompassing the largest fields of activity in the world. Then you are one with the infinite stars in the heavens. And that is to see things. There speaks a powerful mystic, deeply connected to his spiritual practices. I honor that. And I also know, at least for me, there is much that is sacred in the little things of life. There's a lovely story toward the end of Sue Bender's book, Everyday Sacred. She begins by quoting herself. Maybe I wrote Everyday Sacred to learn more about miracles, I said in the prologue. I wanted a big miracle, one that would last. But one of the characteristics of a big miracle, the kind I had hoped for, is the sudden appearance and disappearance within the natural order. Instead, to my surprise, I began to discover the power of small things. A friend of mine made a pilgrimage to India. She saw many holy places, but her favorite was a mount made up of small pebbles, not one of them beautiful or exotic. For hundreds of years, pilgrims had come to this site and each placed a tiny stone offering on the mound. The accumulation of these little stones became a sacred place. I saw those little stones as stepping stones. Stepping stones towards a new way of seeing. 
There's one more element I want to touch on. Yesterday, I watched an awakened call with Shailen Romney Garrett. Most of her talk was about her research into ways to move from I to we in this country, to become a nation of neighbors. Based on some sociological data that she has compiled, she said that in the eight that there is the opportunity for us to actually move into a neighborliness again. Her data indicates that in the late 1800s, there was the similar, very similar malaise to what we're kind of experiencing now. The data reports similar attitudes, similar activities, as in this time. And other Measurable data indicate that in the 1960s, we moved from that malaise into a rich neighborliness and sense of community. So she is certain that we can do it again. It's a wonderful, hopeful attitude and finding in research, but it's not why I mentioned the talk. In the end, toward the end of the 90 minutes of the interview, she spoke to her experience of spiritual practice and academic research. And she pointed to the difference between what she knew in her head, everything is sacred, God is everywhere, and the knowing that she was beginning to embody that was actually impacting her life. That is how we come into relationship with the sacred, by knowing who we are, being who we are, present to what is. Simple, not always easy, but simple. Letting go of all the stuff into being here and now. Eckhart Tolle offers this reminder. We have forgotten what rocks, plants, and animals still know. We have forgotten how to be, to be still, to be ourselves, to be where life is here and now. To bring your attention to a stone, a tree, or animal does not mean to think about it, but simply to perceive it, to hold it in your awareness. And here comes Charlotte's last comment, seen through a baby's eyes. I wish you would once in a while look into the eyes of a healthy baby and would see with what earnestness, interest, great power of concentration, a basic saying yes, such a child has. The child doesn't yet want anything special. It is equally interested in everything that comes. When the child takes something and looks at it from all sides, or when somebody goes through the room and the child's whole attention follows. That is how we all started. 
And it is also what we can come to when this natural inner drive for full relating is unearthed and set free. We wouldn't be all the time so full of expectations and wishes, but we would be seeing more clearly that any world in which we live can be as astonishing as the world of a baby. And then all things are precious. All things are precious. All things are sacred. We are in relationship with the sacred, with the divine. As we come to know ourselves, listen deeply and gently within, honor our uniqueness and what matters to us, we come not just to a new way of seeing, we come to a new way of being. Present, open, alive to what is. Let us hold all things precious. Let us be present. I now invite you to join me in prayer. Everywhere present, in all forms, all times, all places, God, Spirit, the sacred life is all that is available always, inviting our awareness of our presence in, around, and through that divinity. It is the undergirding of all that is, including me, including everyone listening to these words. That aliveness, that life, that communion is our purpose. In awe, in wonder, in jubilation, in stillness, in all that we are. I know for everyone present, present their unique and perfect ways of being in relationship in the oneness of the divine. I know the joys, the possibilities, the freedom, the alignment, the resonance, the companioning, all elements of sacred all elements of capital L life, all available in our yes to life. I breathe into this, I celebrate this, and I know it's so. Releasing this word into law and into love, together we affirm, saying together, And so it is.